nothing. What and the fuck are we doing here? What is something? That's deep, bro. That's Deep Bro. I'm your host, Christina P. Thanks for joining me this week. I have a massive... I love this episode. It's a fun episode. I, a little little trade secret. You don't know this, but I record the episodes sometimes first, and then I go back and I do uh, the top of the show. So I've already recorded it, and I love it. I think you guys are really going to dig it. I get mucho muy deep on some stuff. Okay. But first, a little bit of business. I am touring stand-up comedy. I'm coming to Seattle September 27th at the Tacoma Comedy Club, September 28th, Portland, Oregon at Helium Comedy Club, October 4th, Dallas, Texas at Hyenas, October 5th, Houston, Texas at The Secret Group, October 23rd, Indianapolis at Morty's, Morty's, October 24th, Cincinnati, Ohio, a Go Bananas Comedy Club. And then, you know, let's talk about December. It's a ways away, but why not? December 9th and 10th, Washington, D.C. at the D.C. Improv. I love that club. I love all of these clubs, actually. Otherwise, I wouldn't do them. <laughs> um, get your tickets at thousandranch.com. That's T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D, the word ranch.com. And thank you to everyone that's already bought tickets. I'm super excited to see you guys. Also, do your shopping on Amazon. I hope you do, but I hope you use my link when you do your shopping. What that means is next time you're going to shop on Amazon, just go to that's deepbropodcast.com, click on the little square banner at the bottom of every post and do your shopping as you normally would. It just kicks back a little change to my show. Helps me do this. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Also, Can We Take a Joke, the documentary I narrated uh, about how the PC movement is ruining comedy and influencing our young people. Hello. It is now available for download on iTunes, on Amazon, on a lot of direct TV type situationals. I don't know, but look, go to Amazon, go to your iTunes and watch Can We Take a Joke. Buy it, rent it. Uh, stamp it to your forehead, do whatever you must because it's a very important documentary and I'm very proud of it. And I think it's, I think it's really a neat thing. Let's do it guys. Let's start the big show. All right. Ser alegre que ser triste, alegria é melhor coisa que existe é assim como a luz no coração. Mas para fazer um samba com beleza é preciso um bocado de tristeza. É preciso um bocado de tristeza. Se não se faz um samba. Samba não é contar piada Quem faz samba 
assim Não é de nada o bom samba É uma forma de oração Tristeza tem sempre uma esperança Tristeza tem sempre uma esperança De um dia não ser mais triste não Põe um pouco de amor numa cadência Vai ver que ninguém no mundo vence A beleza que tem um samba não Porque o samba nasceu lá na Bahia se hoje ele é branco na poesia, se hoje ele é branco na poesia, ele é negro demais no coração. I love that. Isn't that nice? It's like a just a nice summer breeze, right? Did you feel it? Feel it. Oh. This song, man. I know this was in that it was in that movie Eat, Pray, Love. Uh <laughs> Which I'm embarrassed to say I really enjoyed. <laughs> but I remember hearing this in that movie. And as you guys know, I love Bossa Nova. I love Brazil. Brazilian music. And this song, I just... Ugh, it just... Her voice is amazing. This lady's name, Bebel, Bebel Gilberto. Everybody's last name that makes Brazilian music is Gilberto. They're all related, right? Jao and... And Bebel and all the Gilbertos. <laughs> and uh, so Bebel is the daughter of João Gilberto and singer Maiwilha I don't even know their names. Anyway, this girl grew up with like two amazing uh, Brazilian singers and then grows up to become obviously uh, this voice. I mean, that is just like an angel singing. And I, you know, it's so interesting. I, I, I listen to Bossa Nova. I listen to this music all the time on Pandora. And I don't know what the heck these guys are talking about. I just assume everybody's singing about pussy waxing and like uh, carnival or whatever the fuck it is. And everybody's just singing about playing soccer in a favela or maybe we're going to have sex in the streets and wear thongs. Like, I don't, I don't even know. I don't know nothing about this culture, but I feel so um, connected. I don't know why. And of course I went to go read the lyrics. So the song is called, I don't even know how to say this. Samba, right? Samba de da, Samba da Bencao, Bencao. <laughs> and it translates to Samba of the Blessing. Now, I'm telling you, years I've listened to this song and I, I don't even look up the lyrics because I don't want to, I don't want to like ruin it. You know, when you love something and you're like, if I know more about this than I have to, I'm going to end up hating it. I don't, you know, I often don't look up celebrities. I don't like to meet the people that I admire. Like even the other day, Tom and I were eating at a deli and um, Josh Flagg from that Bravo show. <laughs> the the million dollar listing and i've seen every episode of million dollar listing i love it i'm addicted i love every gay guy on bravo and josh flag walks right by us and i lose it like i lose my mind because i'm such a i'm a fan of like weirdos i like you know with the reality stars i love um flipping out jeff lewis i love anthony bourdain like these people matter to me i don't give a shit about the kardashians i don't care about 
you know, meeting the big Reese Witherspoons or the whatever's uh, Orlando Bloom Cox. I I only care about these weirdo obscure things. So, anyways, I I generally don't uh, dork out on celebrities, and I don't look up lyrics because I don't want to know how stupid they are. But I'm looking up this samba da da bencal, and it, it translates to samba of the blessing. Now, listen to these lyrics. I mean, is there anything deeper, bros, than a goddamn Brazilian samba? I had no idea that it was this deep. I, I really thought these people were talking about sunbathing and wearing thongs and fucking uh, and pussy waxing. So here it is. Samba of the blessing. It's better to be happy than sad. Happiness is the best thing there is. It's like a light in the heart. But to make a samba with beauty, it's needed a bit of sadness. If not, the samba can't be made. Okay, that's fucking deep. And then it goes, to make a samba is not like telling a joke. And who makes a samba like this is not is worth nothing. Meaning like whoever's joking in their samba is a piece of shit, right? The good samba is a kind of prayer because samba is the sadness that sways. Wow. And sadness is always hopeful of one day not being sad anymore. What? That's what this bitch is singing about for years. I just, all I heard was I'm laying on the beach and I'm, my pussy's waxed and I'm feeling good because I'm skinny because I'm from Brazil. Everybody from Brazil is beautiful. It's not. Okay, and it says, put a little love in the cadence, and you'll see that in this world, nobody wins. <sighs> the beauty that a samba have, because samba was born in Bahia, and if today it is white, it's in poetry, it is very black in its heart. Meaning, you know, if it looks white, it's got darkness inside of it, because it was born in Bahia. Wow. In this world, nobody wins. Isn't that crazy? Look how fucking dark and existential. See, even in other languages, I'm attracted to the dark, existential, brooding, suffering. (laughs) Right? My Eastern blockiness has to come through no matter what it is. Even if it's a happy sounding genre of me. I thought for sure Bossa Nova and like all this Brazilian was all we talked about was happy stuff. And it's the most morose, uh, you know, dark. Well, of course. I mean, look, they have, they, the country is, has corruption and, and, and poverty, you know, juxtaposed against such beauty and, and love. And what a beautiful culture. I mean, from what I know, everything is love, I love, and I loving things, and everything's so beautiful in Brazil. I got to go to Brazil. That's what I have to do next. My shrink is Brazilian, too, so I always hear her, how she, her demeanor is so gentle and sweet, and I just think, oh, I just, I got to go. I think I was Brazilian in the past life. There you go. So interesting that this song is in my uh, subconscious mind. It's, as always, all things are connected. We all know Everything knows, what is it? Everyone knows everything. We are all linked together and and the unconscious mind works in mysterious ways. And interesting that I'd be attracted to this song. Um, You know, because I was thinking this week, actually last week, I was really full of anxiety and I I don't even know if I talked about it or, but, you know, sometimes when you're in it, it's not so good to talk about it because you don't want to go too far off the deep end. And I don't, I I don't like to embarrass myself too much on the show, even though I do. And that's the, the point of podcasting. 
that's why you guys listen to me and, and not some uh, dog shit terrestrial radio show where they, uh, you know, tell corny jokes about Fritos. Um, you don't get that here. We get the real deal because that's what life is. And I, the media, everything sucks so fucking bad right now. I don't even know. Uh, I can't stomach television. I cut the cord about, you know, six months ago and I haven't missed it. I'll tell you. The only thing I miss watching is the Olympics, but I watch the highlights on YouTube, of course. Um, but there's a, you know, there's a real hunger, I think, out there for authenticity, which is why you listen to this show and you listen to your mom's house and all the other podcasts on the All Things Comedy Network. Hello, because shit is real. Mm. Okay, what am I talking about? So anyways, last week I had a lot of anxiety inside of me and I part of it's hormonal. I was all pumped up full of hormones uh, before they harvested my eggs. I have frozen embryos now somewhere in a vault. Should I want a second child? It's the, I, have a frozen, I have frozen babies somewhere. And um, yeah, so I was just, I was laden with uh, depression and anxiety and just, you know, when you're so... When you're so in that state, you can't see your way out. And um, and it's interesting because I, you know, I really, really, really want to talk about uh, motherhood and, and the realities of it because I feel like that it's such an underserved genre. And uh, I mentioned it briefly last week. But I anyway, the point is more about anxiety and, uh, and being afraid. And uh, I was with Ellis and I, you know, I, I think I really, and and this is horrible sounding, but I think I really just lately enjoyed becoming a mother. I, I really have started to enjoy it. Um, now that's not to say that I don't love him profoundly and it hasn't been a crazy roller coaster of rad and horrible and everything in between. Um, I'm nuts for him. Like I'm so in love with him right now. And I, I think part of it is um, really admitting to myself how much anxiety I had around motherhood and and how much um, anxiety I think I, I have towards anything new that I do in life. Let's be honest. I, I'm not one of these people that, you know, I, they, you know, like these fucking type A uh, business people, they say things like, uh, it's not it's not bad. It's a challenge. I, I look forward to being challenged and I'm not that person. Like I don't, I, uh, I seldom enjoy new challenges. I, I like the challenges that I can be good at. <laughs> um, you know, I, like, I don't understand the people that are like, I ran, I ran the 20 K mile marathon cause I wanted to challenge myself you know, in my head, I'm like, yeah, I don't need to do that. I'm good. I'm good. Like my form of challenge is like, all right, I'm not going to eat a stack of pancakes for breakfast. That's a challenge for me emotionally. Like I'm not going to blow the diet today by drinking two glasses of wine before bed. That's my challenge. I, you know, it's it's me versus me. It's always me versus the emotional landscape of my brain. It's never like... I'm going to prove to myself that I can do that thing. Like, I don't care. I don't fucking care. Like, I remember when I did Road Rules a million years ago, they told me that they cast me on that show as opposed to the real world because they're like, you know, we we feel like you're really going to feel accomplished by doing these things, like jumping out of an airplane and wrestling crocodiles and, 
you know, all that stuff was like, I didn't enjoy doing it at when I was doing it. And I'm not sure that I did get a sense of like, of a profound uh, accomplishment. That's just not me personally. Now to me, an accomplishment for me, you know, maybe for someone that jumping out of an airplane means that that's something and that's like, I don't fucking care. I don't. For me, the accomplishment (laughs) is doing what normal people do because I feel like I, it's not doing the extreme. The extreme I'm okay with. I, I run, oddly enough, I'm fine jumping out of airplanes. I'm, you want me to go to Afghanistan and tell jokes in a war zone? Yeah, I'm on the next plane. I don't care. Like the extreme shit doesn't phase me. Like I'll walk on hot coals. I, who cares? It's the normal things that phase me. Like getting married was terrifying for me because of my fucking emotional problems. <laughs> Right? Having a kid was like that was challenging to me. That was uh, that was as more terrifying than bungee jumping without a rope or whatever the fucking cord is called. Like I, normal people things terrify me. Getting a dog terrified me in the beginning. I have so much anxiety surrounding things that quote normal people do all the time. Um, and I really do, you know, and I do think it's just because I was raised in such an abnormal environment. I don't know. Maybe you guys have the same anxiety and you had normal upbringings. I don't fucking know. All I know is that normal things terrify me all the time. Um, maybe because I've dealt more with the extreme in my life than I have with everydayness. I think that's actually what it is. Like I, I've dealt with more weird shit in my life than than the normal stuff. So things like family gatherings terrify me or holidays with in-laws or I don't fucking know, like meeting other moms in a mommy and me group. Like that shit gives me (laughs) overwhelming amounts of just chaos and anxiety in my brain. I don't function well. And I was thinking about that. And, um, as I was rocking my son to sleep, who's a fucking perfect angel and a a blessing and, and is a a miracle really, truly. I can't believe he came out of my vagina. I can't believe I grew this person of blood and bone. And now he's almost crawling and he has teeth and it's fucking amazing. And I thought to myself, as I was rocking him, Christina, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be nice to be able to just live life as though it were a fun adventure. You know, without the anxiety, without the constant fear of the other shoe dropping, without the bullshit that I heap on everything, wouldn't it be great to just be one of these easygoing spirits that uh, that trusts life and trusts the flow and trusts the process of things? You know, when people... They always say, like, there are people, my best friend is like this. She'll be like, well, it'll all work out. And I've never been that person because I don't believe that sometimes it all works out. I think that you make it work out. (laughs) Okay. Now, I don't believe that it's you can force things. I don't think so. But I think that taking positive, concerted, positive action goes a long way. I don't, I don't believe in just praying and hoping God does it for you because he's not gonna. That's not gonna <laughs> happen. Um, but there is a level of control you do have in the world. That Taking action is very important. I've always talked about that on this show, taking positive, proactive action. Uh, but yeah, wouldn't it be great to enjoy things more 
And I've realized that I have not enjoyed being a mother up until now. That means eight months of, of sometimes being able to let go enough to enjoy my son and enjoy the process and <clears throat> enjoy moments. Sometimes, yes, I'm able to, and in the past have been able to, but really because of how I'm wired for survival, <laughs> uh, I haven't enjoyed all aspects of this journey. And I, I don't know if, I don't know if most people do because it's so profoundly life fuckering. Life fuckery is what it is. It's life fucking up and in the beginning and then you get, and then you have a new life. You just have a new life. Um, but yeah, and, and wouldn't it be neat if I could lend that sense of positive adventure to everything as opposed to fearing what's going to happen next? And I, and that is such like a childhood bullshit thing of like, what's going to happen today? Is she going to kick me out because I, my room's not clean? Like my mom was such an asshole that she did kick me out for crazy shit. So then, you know, now I get all, oh, I still carry some of that unconscious crap and I work very hard to override the thoughts. You know, I, I make a conscious effort. I have to live a very conscious life because my default settings are scrambled. So I, I really work it. And if you're listening to this, just know there's hope. If you feel like, Hey, I am so fucked up. (laughs) No, you're not. Trust me. There's a, if I can do it, you can do it. Put it that way. If I can override the fucking nonsense in my brain, if I can override the, the, the crazy train, so can you. <laughs> there you go. But yes, life is an adventure as opposed to a, uh, a series of waiting for when the next shoe is going to drop. And I think that's an interesting idea. And I'd like to learn more about that. Um, sometimes, sometimes I feel adventurous and I feel positive and sometimes I don't. So, but yeah learning to relax into everything. And you know, it's it's fucking interesting because I I thought if I had enough money I would relax and I I have more money now and I still I still don't totally relax cuz then you worry about losing money. <laughs> if I finally have that box ticked off and then it's something else. Um and I think that's kind of the fuckery of all of this is like you think you you think you got that part squared away well guess what here's a new thing to that the mind can grab onto and the mind can um play with and have anxiety over because what did freud say that the what is it the um intelligence will work in the service of neuroses i believe something similar to that that uh you listen you'll find a way to get fucked up about whatever it is that's happening isn't that isn't that neat (laughs) isn't that a neat swell part of being a person is that you'll you'll always find something to be neurotic about if that is your nature, and uh, man, why couldn't I? I wish I, you know, like I said, I've got this friend. I adore her, and and uh, just be one of those people. Like I think that's why I'm so I so love my friend is she's so easygoing, and you know the chips fall, and 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 it doesn't phase her the way it phases me. Like I go into full blown panic attack, and and she's more laid back, and I. It's probably why I have laid back friends. All my friends are practically comatose, uh, with the exception of a couple. But I, I'm just so I'm so attracted to that because I need that. You know, you need that uh, balance. My husband is is wonderfully 
chill. Believe me, there's a, there's a, a very deliberate reason why I chose a man who is very calm and very even keel. Even keel. I can't, uh, I can't, t- I can't take, can't take no melodrama in my life. Like Miss Mary J. Blige says, I cut the melodrama. I had enough, I have no drama. I, the only drama I have in my life is self inflicted uh, anxiety. Self-inflicted bullshit that I I do it to me, guys, because I got I got everything else under control. Just the fucking demons howling in my head. So I found this um, wonderful video on Facebook today. I generally lurk on Facebook. I'm a lurker. I like certain people's things, but I don't. I'm not a sharer on Facebook. Uh, I just I don't fucking. I still can't. I don't know. I'm so reluctant. I just don't want... You don't know who's looking at that stuff, you know? Because if I'm lurking, then there's other lurkers, other jerks like me who are just lurking and not sharing. So, oh my God, how weird. I was just talking about a friend and she just texted me. See that? Everyone knows everything unconsciously. Did you see that? Well, you didn't see it, but that's what happened. She felt a disturbance in the force and she, uh, she texted me. Isn't that crazy? You ever had that happen when you're thinking of somebody and then you pick up the phone or you, you go to call them? My husband, I do it constantly. And he's the phone is ringing and it's my husband. Oh, I was just going to call you. It's so fucking crazy. My mother and I had that too, where I would pick up the phone and she would already be on the end. This is back when you had a regular home phone, like a banana phone, remember those? And, and they actually had like touch pads and you would dial and... Um, yeah, and I'd pick up and she would be talking to me. Christica, where are you? Where are you? Where am I? I'm at home. Because back then, that's the only place you could answer the phone. It was the stupidest fucking question in the world. <laughs> where are you? Are you home? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's the only place I can answer the phone, dumb dumb. Where do you think I'm answering the phone from? So stupid. That's back when we had um, answering machines. And you would ignore whoever it was calling you on the answering machine. Are you there? Hello? Are you there? <laughs> we used to actually have a tape on the answering machine. I, don't, I mean, they'd be really fucking old or know this. There was a tape and then you would rewind it. And you hear that sound of the tape rewinding and then you push play and hear the recordings of people leaving you nonsense messages. God, how funny. That's the old days. So I'm on Facebook and um, I see this video of Queen Oprah and she is my Lord and Savior and Queen. And I just, listen, if you, you better get your life. Oprah Winfrey has done so much good for the world and for the entertainment world. And yes, some of it's annoying. I'm not saying she's perfect. And yes, it's a little much at times with her and Gail and and I think there was a time when she was a little overexposed. And yes, yes, yes. But um, now I will tell you, as far as entertainment people go, the fact that this woman even had the courage to say the wacky new age shit that she was saying on like daytime television to women uh, was pretty ballsy. And, you know, starting her own network, pretty fucking ballsy and putting the crap on there that I love. I mean, look, I watch... You don't have to talk me into a Super Soul Sunday. I'm already there. And that might be the only reason I get cable again is to watch the own network uh, because I miss all that crap. I miss Super Soul Sunday. I miss the master class. Um, 
Yeah, I'm I'm on all Eonla fix my life. You better get your life with those chunky earrings, Eonla Van Sant. I fucking love her too. I miss her. So I got to get my ass back to the own network. But anyway, ah, shit. What is that goddamn buzzing? Okay. uh, Queen Oprah is talking and there's, and here it is. I pulled it aside for you guys because I thought it would be um, a neat listen. This is kind of in light of what I was talking about of um, seeing life as an adventure and being able to sort of relax into it, into the process instead of uh, fighting, fighting it, and and resisting what is, and uh, and worrying about the next thing, and and anxiety, and and again, we you know, anxiety and depression are two of the biggest topics <laughs> uh, that come up on this show for a fucking reason because everybody's anxious and depressed. And I think it's so normal. And I don't know why there isn't an anxiety and depression network where. I mean, maybe that is the own network where people uh, just talk about it constantly because that's what needs to happen. Just fucking talk about it. I don't know why, <laughs> you know, and that that is the problem with social media that I've said many times on the show is that people only put their best face forward. And so you really only see like the good side of of people's lives and you, you compare yourself and you go, well, I... You know, gosh, how come I'm not scrapbooking constantly my son's existence? I don't put the stickers on his chest one month old, two month old, three month old for him to take pictures. You know, I don't dress my kid up for Valentine's Day and take a photo shoot. I, I you know, and you compare yourself and you're like, am I bad? Am I, am I not pretty enough? This girl's much skinnier than me and blah, blah, blah. And uh, the reality is life is very messy and, and uh, everyone's fucking anxious and depressed. Because we don't know what the fuck is going on. And society is, is uh, you know, it's not like it was in the 1950s where everyone just did the same thing. You have a lot of choices and options, and, and options and choices are frightening. I remember my father said to me when I graduated from college, he says, I, I don't even know how you do it because back in my day, we didn't have the choices. You, know, you just didn't have any options. I, I had to become a forklift mechanic because that's all I knew how to do. But you, the, the sky is the limit. And I agree. And with all this choice and with all these options, uh, you know, women can choose to have babies at 20 and get married or women can choose to have them at 40 and do the career thing first. Women can choose to be career women and have children or stay home with the babies or whatever the fuck. Men can choose to do what they want. They can be lifelong bachelors like that crazy fuck Mark Davis and end up getting shitty haircuts because nobody tells you how crazy you look all the time. Okay, that's why it's not good to be alone. You got to get into a fucking relationship. Okay, don't be alone, you weird loner. <laughs> that's what happens. You get your dressing gets all, especially with boys. Okay, don't. If you're alone too long, and, and then the next thing you know, you're fifty, and you you got the bull haircut like that guy, and and you're wearing white de- white denim, and uh, smelly woven shoes with a brown braided belt. And a button-down, you know, white polo shirt to match your white denim jeans. And you look all fucked up. That's why you're fucked up, because you don't have a woman in your life to tell you how to dress. That's the problem. Yeah, you need help. Where's Dan Pena? Where did he go? You want to know why you're all fucked up? Yeah, that's why you're all fucked up. Because nobody should be alone. You need companionship. Everybody needs companionship. Okay. Even if it's a dog, you need somebody. So here's Queen Oprah um, 
talking about well something similar so let's just listen what what the what the queen supreme has to say there are no mistakes that's right oprah there really aren't any because you have a supreme destiny Mm. when you're in your little mind in your little personality mind where you're not centered where you really don't know who you are that you come from something greater and bigger and that we really all are the same when you don't know that you get all flustered. You get all fucked you get up. Stressed all the time, mm. wanting something to be what it isn't. There is a supreme moment of destiny calling on your life. Your job is to feel that, to hear that, to know that. And sometimes when you're not listening, you get taken off track. You get in the wrong marriage, the wrong relationship, you take the wrong job. Yeah, but it's all leading to the same path. There are no wrong paths, there are none. There's no such thing as failure, really, because failure is just that thing trying to move you in another direction. So you get as much from your losses as you do from your victories, because the losses are there to wake you up. The losses are to say, fool, that is why you go to school. (laughs) So that CBS can call you. So when you understand that, you don't allow yourself to be completely thrown by a grade Mm. or by a circumstance because your life is bigger than any one experience. And if I had, I always ask people on Super Soul Sunday to tell me, what would you say to your younger self? Every person says in one form or another, I would have said, relax, relax. It's going to be okay. It really is going to be okay. Because even if you're on a detour right now, and, and that's how you know when you're not at ease with yourself, when you're feeling like, oh, that is the cue that you need to be moving in another direction. Don't let yourself get all thrown off, continue to be thrown off course. When you're feeling off course, that's the key. How do I turn around? So when everybody was talking about when I started this network, if I had only known, good Lord, how difficult it would be. Um, The way through the challenge is to get still and ask yourself, what is the next right move? Not think about, oh, I got all of this. What is the next right move? And then from that space, make the next right move and the next right move and not to be overwhelmed by it because you know your life is bigger than that one moment you know you're not defined by what somebody says is a failure for you Mm. because failure is just there to point you in a different direction okay you hear that you want to know why you're all fucked up thank you oprah she knows why you're all fucked up you gotta relax that's the point of that i don't know why they had that creepy fucking music under her (laughs) That sounded terrifying. So what's the point? Okay, so she says there's a you got you have a supreme destiny. And I you know, at first I never believed that horse shit when people would say that. But uh, you know, I do believe that over and over again. I've seen it in the people that I'm friends with where you like you look at someone and you're like, dude, I know what that person's gonna be. Like you just kind of know, and then yeah, twenty years later, that person is that thing uh, because they followed their own instincts and they followed their, you know, they say follow your heart. Well, what does that even mean? It means uh, what the queen is saying is if you it feels like shit, if you feel like oh this is this is bad, that's that's your instinct telling you get the fuck out of there. 
Go do the other thing. And don't worry about the big picture. Just go on to the next move and the next move and the next move. Isn't that neat? What a neat thing. So that was just on Facebook. I don't know where to um, uh, to find that. So sorry if it's just a fucking random thing on Facebook. Okay. Let's get to some emails that you guys um, have written me. I love, love, love. I love reading them. That's how Oprah would say that. Okay. I just, I love this, this email because I'm telling you, if there's one thing I fucking know about, it's like dating shit. So uh, this gentleman writes in, my girlfriend of six years broke up with me out of the blue a few days ago. She says she fell out of love with me. My question is, she wants to remain friends. While I do think she is a good person, the thought of sticking around while she moves on is absolutely brutal to think about. The thought of not talking to her anymore is pretty tough too. Right now, I feel like just taking her out of my life because while it will hurt a lot up front, I can eventually move on with my life and forget about her. I've never had to deal with this and could use some advice. Okay, bro. First of all, holy shit, six years is a long time and uh, yikes. And... um, you know, and I, I don't know if it was out of the blue. I, I would I would show some I show some concern on that because I, I don't think I don't know. I mean, unless she has like a mental breakdown or a head injury or something that really affected her and changed her overnight, I don't believe in out of the blue. I do believe in the slow deterioration of things. I believe there are signs that uh, connected people can see. I mean, I've heard stories of women saying, oh, you know, my husband f- started working out a ton and going to the gym and changed his cologne and changed his underwear. And, um, you know, and you're like, oh, that's uh, that's funny. Well, then, of course, he's having an affair or he would have secret conversations and texting constantly with people and blah, 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 blah. Um, I do think it, out of the blue, it's either mental illness or, like I said, a, a traumatic event, an accident, something happens. Uh, but there are signs, and and a lot of times dudes don't pick up on them. And a lot of times what dudes do, I fucking hate this, is that they sense something's wrong, but then they don't say shit, and then they let the girl get crazy and then break up with you cause, so that way you don't have to break up with her. Ugh, and then, you know... And then you get to be like, well, that girl's crazy. And you're like, no, you just didn't want to have the breakup discussion. But anyways, that's part one of this is that, okay, so anyway, she says she fell out of love with you. Uh, that's terrible. That's terrible. I'm sorry. And that's really fucked up. And that's devastating. And breakups are devastating. Breakups are akin to death. It is a death. It's the death of a relationship, the death of... Uh, something that you've known and counted on for years and it's terrible. Um, okay. So she wants to remain friends. Okay. 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 <sighs> Listen, there's no such thing as when you break up with somebody right away, Unless, now here's the caveat, unless you guys have been on a slow wind down for many, 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 many years and the sex or whatever's faded out and you just knew it was going there and you guys were somehow amicable the whole time and you guys are super good friends and okay, yeah, you can have a conscious uncoupling like Gwenny had uh, with her husband, whatever. Uh, most of the time in my experience, 
this whole let's be friends right after the breakup nonsense, uh, it doesn't work. It doesn't work for, for a million reasons because number one, uh, in order to get over somebody, you got to get, you got to get out of their sight. Okay. Okay. You got to, um, separate yourself physically. You got to get their shit out of your house. You got to, you separate, you got to get, you got to get all the shit out that reminds you of them because it's a death. So how are you going to mourn the death of something if that motherfucker is around every day and coming over and she acting like you guys are still fucking cool and you're not. Okay. It sounds to me like little miss, uh, little miss fell out of love with you, wants to have her, her cake and eat it too. She doesn't want to feel badly about dumping you. And that's how she copes with the guilt of dumping you. Well, let's still be friends. She doesn't want to be friends with you, really. She wants to, to break up with you. <laughs> She's only saying that so she doesn't have to feel like a douchebag for breaking up with you. It's called guilt. So here's what you do. You don't want to be friends with her because the person, the most humane thing she can do for you right now, by the way, and this goes to anybody breaking up with anybody, listen to me. The most humane thing you can do to somebody when you're breaking up with them is to do it quickly in, in person, face to face. And once you put down the hammer, don't pick it up again. Okay. Cut their fucking head off and leave. Make it clean. Don't give that person a, a, a doorway. Okay. So, you know, if you break up with someone, make it a clean break. Don't give them hope because you're being cruel. You're being a dick. And don't break up, leave, get your shit out of their fucking house. Be cool. At least do that. Get all your shit out so they don't have to look at it and go and disappear because she can't counsel you. She can't be the shoulder you cry on because you're breaking up with her. So she's fucking with you again. So the best thing for you to do, bro, is bounce, bounce. And the more, and I'll tell you what, no, this is, this is fucking secret ancient uh, love wisdom here. Now you want to get this bitch back? Here's what you do. <laughs> Although I'm not sure, I'm not, I don't know the details. I'm not sure why you would want her to come back to you. But if you want her to uh, realize the error of her ways and you want her to uh, feel badly and come crawling back, the best thing you can do, bro, is be like, all right, cool, we're broken up. And if she wants to be friends with you, be like, nah, nah, bro we're good and cut it off with her because when you fucking man up like that and this goes for women too do not let this motherfucker try to uh stay in your life and come over and watch netflix or or you guys you know cooking for him and he ain't your fucking boyfriend no more he can't get a fucking screw in don't fuck her anymore no fucking stop fucking each other you cut her off and stop you guys are no longer together done you don't answer her fucking phone calls. You don't answer her fucking texts. She doesn't come over. You guys don't chill. If she needs to pick up her stuff, great. Come over when I'm not around. You know you have the fucking key to my house still probably. Take your shit and leave while I'm at work. No excuses. You're not there to see her anymore. I guarantee you, you listen to me, motherfucker. Do not turn back. Cut her off. Move on with your life. Now, how do you do that? Well, it's going to be messed up. You're going to be fucked up. Expect to feel fucked up. Expect it. 
You know, you know, you're going to be bummed. Okay. So you're bummed. Invite your bros over. Do what guys do. I don't know what you guys do. You drink your beer and you eat pizza and you watch porno together and you have a circle jerk. Do what you guys do. Go out with your friends. Don't be alone. That's number one. Whenever there's a death or, and a breakup is a death, the worst thing you can do is be alone. So hang with your bros. Go out to a bar. It's been six years since you stuck it in somebody new. Go get yourself a, a little one-night stand. Get back on the horse. That's how you do it. As my grandmother used to say, the best cure for an old dick is a new one. Get on it. Now, in your case, it's a vagina, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, fuck her. And, and, you, and don't do it mean. I'm not saying you got to be like, fuck you, bitch. But you do have to be like, oh, you want out? All right. Okay, you want out? You got it. And, uh, and, and turn your back and, and, and be like, look, dude, it's not, it's, I'm not trying to be a dick. But the only way I can do this with you is to not do this with you. That's what you say. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm not a douchebag. But, you know, if you want to break up with me, we're broken up. I'm on the market again, sister. Because when she sniffs, here's what's going to happen, okay? She's going to go, what? What? Because she's expecting you to be a fucking pussy. That's why she's doing that shit. She feels like she has to take care of you. Do you understand what I'm telling you? She thinks you're a fucking pussy already, which is why she feels the need to take care of you. So tell her, uh-uh, bitch. I ain't no pussy. I don't need your help. You fucking dumb me. Adios. And then move on and bang other chicks and have a good time. And and don't even don't even look back, okay? The next woman, she's got to want to be with you. I, I absolutely hate this shit. If someone breaks up with you, there's a reason for it. Listen and respect the fucking reason. Don't go back, dude. It's not going to work out. Now, that's, that's, that's if you're single and there's no children and no marriage involved. If it's a marriage, obviously, it's more complicated. But if you're just fucking dating, who cares? I, you know, who cares? On to the next hoe. Even though it's six years of your life, big fucking deal. There's a million other girls out there. And by the way, bro, you're living in the best time to be a single guy. This is probably... In all of human history, this is the best time to be a guy who just got dumped. This is the best. All you got to do, you don't even have to go to a bar. You got to download an app on your iPhone or whatever phone you got and swipe right. <laughs> and these hoes that are on these apps, these uh, fucking tramps, because they are, because what self-respecting woman would be on this fuck app? Some hoe's going to show up at your house and, and blow you for nothing. Not even for a slice of pizza. You don't even have to court a woman anymore. She puts herself on a fucking app. You can, you can jizz on a stranger. God, unbelievable. That, that, anyway, this is a great time to be dumped. Uh, go and, and uh, fuck other people and get drunk and enjoy your life and move, move on. Fucking her loss, bro. And watch. Watch. If you have this attitude that I'm telling you is her loss, she's going to come. She's going to come sniffing back. There you go. Okay. So that was for the single, all the single guys. Now this one's for the getting married guys. Okay. So this is from a dude. Okay. I have a question for you. I recently got engaged to my now fiance. Congratulations. We will be getting married in June, 2017 and couldn't be more excited. Since we've gotten engaged, my parents have suggested that my dad marry us. 
Some background. My dad and I have been butting heads basically since I began forming my own opinions. (laughs) We rarely agree on anything. He is a fundamentalist Baptist preacher, and that's the kind of home I grew up in. It was pretty much a cult. I am now 30, and only now is he showing a remote interest in my life since I got engaged. Interesting. I abandoned his religion. It was never really mine to begin with. As soon as I left home at 18, and he's been giving me the cold shoulder ever since. My mom is always advocating for him, even if he's in the wrong. She recently informed me that he's very hurt that I have not personally asked him to marry my fiance and I. I explained that we would rather have a non-family member perform the wedding and would rather have my dad there as my father than the minister coordinating the ceremony. My fiance and I are essentially atheists and want a completely secular wedding. I think it'd be worse to ask a Baptist preacher to not say or to say certain things at the wedding than just tell him no. Do you have any advice on this? I feel like if I say no, then we're never going to get along. Also, that he's just going to hold it against me for the rest of my life and make things miserable for us. On the flip side, I feel like if I say yes, my fiance and I are going to regret not having the wedding the way we wanted it and are giving him the green light to stick his nose in every facet of our lives. That it's going to be a downward spiral of him thinking that every time we tell him no uh, to something, if he pouts a little, then we'll change our minds and give in. Exactly. I want everyone at the wedding to enjoy themselves and be happy, but I also realize you can't please everyone. Am I being an asshole for wanting to say no? I think it's the sense of entitlement that my dad has that's pissing me off. That's just because he's a preacher, we're automatically obligated to ask him to perform our wedding. It's not like he's a mechanic and offering to fix our car. This is different. It's too personal. Yeah, bro. I mean, okay, there's a few fucking uh, things here. Um, hold on. I, hold on. I got to think about it. Hold on. Sorry, I had to write stuff down. Because I forget everything. So yeah, number one, I, good. Your instincts are correct here. Yes, if you cave into your father now, then um, he will continually asked to do stuff that you don't want him to do. And this is a big deal. This is, um, A, it's your wedding, and that is very important and special, and you and your fiancé deserve to have the exact wedding that you want to have. And guess what? Unless your dad is paying for the whole thing or, I don't know, you're doing it in in his house, I don't know what the the deal is, he really has no say in the matter. Um, Now, that being said, if he is paying for the whole thing, it's a little stickier, uh, but you haven't mentioned that, so I don't think that that's going. That is um, part of the issue here. Uh, but yeah, okay. Number one, he says you're, you said that your dad doesn't hasn't had an interest in you since you were eighteen years old, and you ditched the um, fundamentalist Baptist religion, and he hasn't had much interest in you since. He's given you the cold shoulder since you're eighteen. You're thirty now. Uh, why change anything? <laughs> it sounds like your dad's love is pretty conditional. And it sounds like if you're, if you are a good little boy and you do exactly as he wants you to do, then you get love from him. Isn't that neat? But God forbid you have an opinion that he doesn't agree with and he gives you the cold shoulder and assumes that he will marry you because you're getting married. Sounds to me like you're dealing with someone who's a bit of a narcissist, maybe, or somebody whose love is conditional when it pleases him. (laughs) You get to have a dad. And uh, 
yeah, it, it sounds really fucked up. And I don't think that your dad marrying you will repair your relationship in any way, shape, or form. I think he's going to, it'll be, what's the next thing that he can hold over your head? I don't think that this one event will change anything between you and your dad. Um, it sounds like you guys have other shit to work on. And I, in, in lieu of him uh, performing your wedding, maybe, maybe have a talk with him about you leaving the faith and how that affected your relationship with him. Um, yeah, that's a, those are two separate issues and you're right. If you allow this man to, this man, your dad to marry you, um, you're kind of fucking up your, your wedding. You're fucking up your future relationship with your wife. And that's number one. So number one, the relationship with your dad, it's, it's been screwed since you're 18. It's conditional and it will not change because he gets to do what he wants to do on your wedding day, which is absurd. So yeah, he's not going to do it. And you tell him no, politely, thank you for the offer, but no, we've decided to have a secular wedding. Um, and I would love to have you function as my father in this wedding. That That's your role. And if he doesn't like that, he doesn't have to come. Um, there's no rule that your parents have to attend your wedding. <laughs> there's no rule that anybody you're related to has to attend your wedding if they're not being respectful of your wishes. And those are your wishes because you're a 30-year-old grown-ass man about to do the most grown-ass shit you can do, which is get married. So that's number one. Number two, your, your life is about to change. You're about to get married to somebody. And what that means is you have a new family now. There's your family of origin, which is the fundamentalist Baptist nightmare it sounds like you were raised in. And then there's the, the new life that you have chosen to create with a wonderful woman that I hope you're madly in love with and, and super stoked about getting married too. So what does that mean? That means that your, your family of origin is now second place to your number one family, the family that you are creating with this woman that you're going to marry. So your allegiance is to your wife, not to mommy and not to daddy. Your priority is the wife, is the family unit that you are now creating. And uh, for a lot of us that have troubling parents that are fucking annoying, do not let your parents and their behavior trickle into your relationship and fuck up your marriage. Okay, there are many times I have spoken to my dad or my mother in the past and it would just horribly throw me into these you know, sad moods, or I would just get so angry. And, and you know what that does to your spouse? It's torture for them. It's torture for them for years and years to watch you get fucked up over your mom and your daddy. And, you know, Tom's never, believe me, he's never said anything about that. Of course, he's never, he's been gracious and wonderful, but I know how annoying it is for me to have to get upset every time my parents do something shitty. I can only imagine how annoying it is for my husband to have to see me fucked up every time uh, the phone call comes or or whatever it is. So that's why I see a goddamn shrink and I, I work it out in therapy so I don't ruin my marriage. So there you go. Uh, your Your instincts are absolutely right. Now is the time to draw a boundary between your family of origin and the family you are going to create with your fiance. And that means you guys do it your way. And if they don't like it, they don't have to attend, period. Uh, you think I, I, got, I got a lot of static because I chose the Bahamas to get married in. <laughs> Might I suggest a, uh, a destination wedding? By the way, if you have a troublesome family, 
the best way to deter people is a two-plane flight to the Bahamas. <laughs> you want to make sure that Uncle So-and-so or Auntie blah, 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 the drunk aunt, the bipolar uh, cousin, the, the narcissistic daddy doesn't show up, make it far away, make it inconvenient, and a little out of their price range. And I guarantee you will only have the diehard friends and family show up that really give two fucks about you. You give them a year notice, that's what we did, or as much as you can, you give them notice, hey, guess what? A year from now, we're all going to the Bahamas, and we're going at this time and day, and if you want to come, you're invited. And guess what? The, the people you don't want to come, they accidentally get their invitations like a month before the wedding. How weird. Oh, I'm so sorry. Did you not get that in the mail? Oh, man, I can't believe it. So... Yeah, the troublesome people don't get those invitations in a timely fashion, and the ones that you want to come, they fucking get them, and they come. And I got to tell you, my wedding was one of the most joyful things I've ever done because it kept out the riffraff. It kept out the the people that didn't really want to be there, and it was fantastic. It was was a, a close group of people, and to this day, people still talk about how much fun Tom and my wedding was because we went fucking far, and we did it our way. And guess what? I didn't have a white cake. I had a chocolate cake because I don't like fucking vanilla cake. And they looked at me funny when I asked for it (laughs) in the Bahamas. I said, yeah, give me a chocolate cake. My husband and I like chocolate. I'm going to have fucking chocolate. And we, you know, roasted a pig on a spit and it was great. It was great because we did it our way. And you can do it your way. And don't ever, ever, ever let your family fuck up your wedding, or your current family. Don't ever let these motherfuckers uh, mess with your happiness. Because you know what? It sounds like you've worked hard to to make a good thing for yourself, a happy life, and good for you. You deserve your happiness and let your parents deal with their fucking bullshit. It's not your job to fix your fucked up dad. And you letting him do something like marry you isn't going to fix your relationship with your fucked up dad. It's his problem. He needs to love you no matter uh, who or what you are and he's a sounds like a a little bit of a narcissist so there you go i'm so fired up i gotta go for a swim i think i need to um get some sunshine today it's so so lovely it's such a nice day out today it's uh, the middle of august right today is august 16th as i record this in la it's fucking hot as balls but um this is good. It's the winding down and it, there's only like 80 some, wait, I have this thing that tells me how many days there are till Halloween, my favorite holiday. Oh, I can't wait for fall. Oh my gosh. I love fall. Oh my God. It's coming, you guys. September, October. And, oh, it's my favorite three months. I just love the holidays. I'm going to do all kinds of holiday um, episodes for you guys too. I can't wait to talk about how to deal with those holidays. Oh. <laughs> That's a whole, a whole other, uh, whole other ball of wax. Jesus fuck. Anyways, um, thank you for listening. I appreciate you being here with me, and um, have a great week. And stop being all fucked up. <laughs> and uh, remember, guys, I'm trying to remember this too. This is why I'm telling you. This is not. I don't. Listen, all this stuff I say, it's never to tell you what to do with your life. I'm really just talking out loud. It's really the shit that's in my head this week. And I'm really talking for my benefit. And if you're, uh, well, on my benefit, but I feel like it's, uh, I do want to help people, but 
you know what I'm saying. It's my inner dialogue. It's the shit that I'm thinking about. So I, I don't mean to preach to tell anybody how to live. It's not that. I figure if I'm thinking it, someone else is thinking it, and maybe you'll feel a little less fucked up by hearing somebody else say uh, the weird shit that's in your head. Because I know, and I know, and I know, nothing gives me greater peace than hearing somebody else articulate the dark, weird shit that I have in my brain because I... Uh, most of the media and most of the shit that I grew up with, I don't see it. I don't see it. I like music. That's why I like music so much. It's the musicians who have said the fucked up things. Um, not so much now, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the punkers. Okay. Anyways, I'm rambling. I um, have a great week. Everybody, stay black, and I'll see you next time on That's Zebra. Now what? Philosophize with It's Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party. Our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.